Hey, welcome back to FTR Finish the Race Podcast. My name is Ever. I'm so happy you could join for this episode. It is eternal judgment. Stay tuned. Did you not know that those who run a race run to win a prize? Those who run practice self-control in all things. So therefore, run in such a way that you may win. Run in such a way that you will not be disqualified at the appearing of the Lord. For it is not those who start the race that win, but those who finish the race. Finish the race from the voices of the innocent, a call for the bride to finish the race. Every disciple who has put their hands to the plow, it is for you not to look back, but to be fit for the kingdom of God, looking forward, forward to the blessed hope, the coming of our King and Savior, our God, Jesus Christ. Finish the race. A call to every disciple of Jesus Christ to do this. Finish the race so that you may win the prize. Hallelujah. All right, guys. So this episode is eternal judgment. And just a little update of what's been going on. Uh, this is the last teaching, the last lesson that we are having here in our uh, Tuesday gatherings, the, this home group um, in South Carolina, because we are now moving we are moving from this location to another. And so we have to be out at the end of the month. And so we have officially ended our Tuesday gatherings, which is beautiful because this is the last element of the foundations from Hebrews 6. Uh, so it was a perfect timing. The Lord uh, really moved these past three months um, in the midst of all this. It was an amazing time together. People were, were really touched Um by the word of God, you know, as a group, we we uh, we're striving in spirit and truth, uh, walking uh, together, gathering, uh, praying together, going out, doing uh, outreach and praying for people, touching souls, speaking into their lives, edifying one another in our gatherings. Um, but this is not the end, even though we are leaving this home. We are going to start a new season elsewhere. It's going to look a little different, uh, but it's still going to be impactful for the kingdom. Our desire and our goal is to establish a strong, active body in the area. And so we are working together with brothers and sisters dedicated, who are dedicating their lives for this exact purpose. What's the purpose? To edify the saints and equip the saints for the work of service to do what? to make disciples, to make leaders who will make disciples. And so this is what we're striving for, and um, we're working hard towards this, so this isn't the end. Um, and just another quick update also, I will be heading to California at the beginning of uh, December, and we'll be working with a another um, establishing home group that is there uh, working through um, what it is to to be a body in Christ, to be a, uh, an active body. And so I've been invited to come and to do a week training 
And it's going to be amazing. We're going to be touching on, on a lot of these things, but also other practicals, other foundational teachings that that the body needs to hear. So we're going to transfer um, these teachings uh, from South Carolina. We're going to we're going to record some of these teachings in California, uh, beginning at the beginning of December. So we might have a little break here in this podcast, but starting December we'll start again with new teachings, new foundations that are key for every disciple, for every believer in order to strengthen their core. Um, so I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm, I'm stoked about going to California. It's going to be my second time for the same um, initiative, the same group. Um, even though the first time I went, there was nothing established. Now there's a growing uh, group, which is a beautiful thing to see that the Lord is actually birthing something there. It's beautiful. I'm hearing testimonies from it, just hearing stories and, and how the Lord is moving and bringing people in. And this is what it's about. It's about this. It's about the fruit of what we do and, and what we preach and how we do it. Do it with love, compassion uh, towards others to see them grow. And uh, you'll see growth. You'll see fruit. So, yeah, after that foundation, I'm thinking that at some point, there's going to be this transition on this podcast from season one to season two. And I'm not sure the end of that quite yet. Um, I thought this was this episode would be the end of the season, but there's more teachings that could be added that I'm sure we'll record in California. And if it doesn't happen, then I'll just uh, I'll end the season with this episode. Otherwise, we'll cont- uh, carry on with this season until it's over. And then we'll start season two. But, you know, I would like to get some feedback from you guys. Um, I realize that many of you guys listen on Spotify. I can see the analytics here. And Spotify doesn't leave um, any way to add comments. But, you know, um, I'll put the email in the description if you want to see the, send an email. Or uh, you could uh, go to the Facebook and leave a comment there um, on my personal page, um, I'm not that active on Facebook when it comes to this podcast. I should be. Uh, but, yeah, just find a way to, to to reach out and leave a comment. You know, just a word of encouragement as well uh, would, would definitely be beneficial to, to my life. So I just want to hear how this is impacting. What do you guys think? Uh, feedback and how is the Lord using this in your life? Is it is it helpful? Is it helping? Um, are you sharing this with people? Like, how is it helping? you know, some testimonies and maybe some, some criticism, you know, come on, give me some feedback. So anyway, guys, so let this be, uh, um, an encouraging lesson, eternal judgment. How often do we hear about eternal judgment? I don't remember too many sermons, if anything, maybe a mention of it, but not necessarily a teaching. So anyway, we're taking up, without taking up too much time, let's get right into it. I'll say a couple of words at the end. With, with this, I just want to give some nuggets and um, hopefully stir up an, an appetite with this subject. To stir up an appetite to really invest a desire to look into this more. And I, I, I am going to, by grace of God and, and some strength from the Lord, to get deeper into this the same way that I that I have loved baptism come in hello 
Yeah. You want a chair? No, we can get you a chair, bro. brings people together so yeah let's start let's open up in prayer brother joe would you like to open us in prayer sure thank you lord thank you lord father god i pray that you bless this reading of your word bless the study of your word give our brother ever the words to say uh add by the holy spirit to the thoughts and the agenda that he has thank you lord your agenda and your will we just want more revelation and we want to see more fullness of your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven thank you lord amen Amen. okay so unfortunately today is the last teaching because it is the last element that we are going to go through in the foundations I do believe that there are more things to be covered, but we won't be here in this house too much longer. This is our um, our last month here, so for that reason, um, I feel like we just we could just stop at the end of verse two, which is a great place to start. These are the fundamentals of Hebrews six, and I think it's perfectly timed. Somehow, it just ended perfectly, um, but it doesn't matter. It's still going to be. Great tonight, and uh, we're going to wrap things up with the the eternal judgment topic, but just a real quick overview. Um, let's read Hebrews chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Who would like to read that? I'll go ahead and start. Go ahead. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance, from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Boy, I needed to read that. Okay. So, we see here, just as a recap, that the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews has stated some elementary principles, some discussions about the Christ, and uh, the call here to obey is to move on to perfection maturity to completion in Christ and him as the foundation him as the one to lay our our faith on and he says do not lay again a building block or let's not lay again a foundation a beginning point um, of and then he names six elements okay that if they believed were essential for the basis 
of a building block for building a house or to build something, then we should also look at it and to ask ourselves, man, are we walking in these things? Or how are we discipling people into these things, right? You know, we're not just here to make disciples to be uh, in motion doing things without a strong foundation, but we want strong disciples that will actually build properly and endure through storm, through uh, the wind and the rains, correct? So we, as leaders and disciple makers, we need to make sure we understand what it is every believer in the faith should be starting their faith journey on. Does that make sense? So this is Hebrews 6. I believe it's kind of it's laying out for us these elements. And we talked about repentance from dead works, you know, how that's a turning away from things that do not bring life. Obviously, sin is a big one that really caused a separation between God and man. But it's also referring to dead works, dead works, things that we do not do. Uh, through faith, we don't do with the Lord in mind, <clears throat> primarily, things that we do in our own will, our own flesh, our own desires, anything that we do outside of the will of God is it's dead works, um, religion, religious works, uh, those are things that we have to turn from, so not just sin, not just bad things, but also things that we consider to be good, your Sunday attendance could be a dead work to the church. Your, your weekly tithing could be a dead work. Uh, helping the homeless could be a dead work. If your motivation, if your motive is not anchored on righteousness, if it's anchored on making a name for yourself or for that nice Facebook post, just help the homeless this weekend, right? Clean, that's the only reason you went out to show people, hey, look, I'm a good person, then it's dead. Because it brings no life, it has no fruit. And the Lord says, well, we'll get into some of that. But that's repentance from dead works. Faith towards God is, faith towards God, we understand, is relying, trusting in God. Um, but ultimately, I believe that this faith towards God is, is trusting that God will ultimately complete what He promised from the beginning. And that is the gospel message of restoration. Okay? And we see that with Abraham, how Abraham was called out from the beginning of time. You know, closer to the beginning of time, Abraham was called out. And he prophetically knew through vision or whatever it is he saw that I can do this. I can leave. I can be called out and go. Because Hebrews tells us that he was looking for what? An inheritance. He was looking for this greater kingdom, this greater land that was that maker was God. He was looking for something else, greater, more celestial, more magnific magnificent, right? So he wasn't just, oh yeah, I believe I have a son. Oh yeah, I believe he'll provide a land. It wasn't so temporal. His faith in God wasn't a a now faith only, but a, something greater that he was looking for a you know uh, a city whose builder was God Himself, and his faith was there. That's why he said, I could leave anything. And he was so focused on the, the restoration of a perfect body that when, he, when God said, go sacrifice your son, what does Hebrew says? He did it without fail because he knew that he could raise him from the dead. That's what Abraham knew. He said, I can take him out now. 
God promised that he was a promised one. He's telling me to kill him. He can raise him up as soon as I kill him. Why? Because he somehow knew of the resurrection of the dead. He somehow knew that God was going to restore our bodies. And so he's like, fine. That is faith beyond, mm, come on. Do we have that kind of faith? You see, it's beyond, it's, it's beyond just the he'll provide my next meal or the pair of socks that have holes in it. It's, it's beyond that. Something greater that you probably will never see in your lifetime. That was the faith towards God. And the doctrines about baptisms, it's a, it's a plurality of this baptism that Hebrews talks about. There's, there's a couple of things that, that are essential for the foundation block is to be fully immersed water and spirit. Jesus said it clearly. John chapter 3. Clearly, be fully immersed in water and spirit. Baptisms, and I'm sure there's other baptisms in here somewhere that I couldn't even see or know about. I know there's a baptism of the dead um, that Paul talks about. Um, but we see that water baptism, we talked about that, how it was a commitment, a loyalty to Christ, and it was a washing away of the body of sin. The body of sin. The Emerge, the immersion of the Holy Spirit was an authority, a power, a seal that God gave us His Spirit as a, as a promise, as a seal into the day of redemption. The same faith that Abraham had, that, that he was going to look for a city whose maker was God and that he would raise the dead, the seal of the Holy Spirit is a promise for us that we will also make it into the day of redemption, the day of restoration. And uh, if I could go back to water baptism, water baptism is a cleansing, a cleansing of our ungodliness so that on the day of redemption, the Lord will see us clean, pure, without spot, blemish. It says in Ephesians 5 that the, he gives us the washing of the water so that he may present us back to himself pure, without spot, no blemish undefiled in all of our glory think about that you're you're defiled by sin when you've turned to the lord and have faith and and all his promises he sees that faith he justifies you he 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 has peace with you now because of that he's allowing you to to wash away that filthiness so that he so that he will present you back to himself pure and as a promise that you'll get presented back he gives you his holy spirit as a seal stamp Boom, now you can live this life until the end. And because you have my spirit, there's a bunch of attributes that go with that. Authority, boldness, to heal the sick, cast demons out, raise the dead, multiply food. You know what I'm saying? Just like supernatural spiritual things because you have the spirit of God. Broken bones come back into place. A supernatural surgery in people's bones. Whoa, why? Because that authority and that power is given for us to preach the coming kingdom, to preach the coming restoration through signs and wonders. Every time we see a healing, it's, it's to point to this coming restoration. You know, every time we see a, a demon being cast out, it's to point to the coming restoration where all evil will be done away with. So that's 
baptisms, the laying on of hands, a fundamental teaching of laying on the hands is essential for every believer to know. Because we represent Christ, because we are uh, uh, delegates, because we bring the kingdom message to all, this hand right here is like an extension of his arm, you know? It's an extension of his arm. You know, we saw that the scripture says that God stretches out his arm and things happen. You know, and we see throughout the scripture, Aaron stretched out his hand and blessed people. Uh, Jacob laid his hands on his, um, his grandchildren and blessed them. Uh, Moses laid his hand on, on um, uh, Joshua and he he what Moses laid his hand on Joshua and uh, passed on wisdom right um, fast forward Jesus comes on the scene and they specifically call out him laying on hands like and he laid his hands on her and she woke up they brought their children so that they that Jesus would lay hands on them. That's why they brought them. And you see that even in Acts, laid hands on them, boom, boom, boom. And so it's a central practice for us. They laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit, they laid hands on them, they, they, the, 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 the sick were healed. It was a command to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Um, they laid hands on them, they had a blessing, they laid hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit, it said that. And so that's an essential practice. And so for the denominations to take laying on the hands away, you got to ask yourself, why? What's going on here? You know, you see these fundamental teachings are so attacked by the churches. Yeah. Baptism's attacked. Laying on the hands attacked. Baptism of the Holy Spirit's attacked. Repentance is attacked. What? Come on. There has to be something to that. The basic elementary things are being attacked. Because they know without one of these blocks, if you don't have a certain cinder block under your house, what's going to happen when the storm hits? What's going to happen when the rain falls? And I'm not saying the, the leaders of these denominations know this and doing it on purpose. The enemy and his subtle tactics is doing this. And if we're not open, if we're blind to it, then we'll fall in the same trap. And then what was, uh, and then last week we talked about the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead is, is what happens at the end of this age. All of these four things we just talked about, repentance, faith, baptism, water, spirit, laying on the hands, all these things happen in the present age. They all happen while we're in this body, as Paul says, in this body. At the end of the age, at the end of this, this, this temporal time, it's the end of the age, then there's going to be this resurrection of the bodies, the resurrection of the dead. Where the righteous will have a body incorruptible unto life, and the dead will have a body unto condemnation. There will be two resurrections, the dead and the living. And after all have been raised in whatever form, then comes the judgment. And that's what we're going to get into. It's the last thing. And it's like this great big story, isn't it? Like this fundamentals creates a story. You know, they're not just these systematic points like, oh, you can repent today and get baptized in three years. And, you know, Holy Spirit is not for everybody. So maybe you don't have to, but, you know, it's like what, this is a story and it means something, you know. And, and, and I believe that if if you 
have a born-again believer who doesn't understand resurrection and dead eternal judgment and they miss those elements, what are they really living for? If they, have, if they don't have their eyes fixed on a promise of a restoration of the body and a, and a reward system, which we'll talk about a little bit, what are you living for? What desires do you have to do things proper or not proper? What's the point? It doesn't matter if you love Jesus or you wear the shirt. It doesn't matter. What are you living for? You know? And so these last two that really get neglected so much, the last two are essential for the walk after you've been born again. You get born again, then what? Welcome, bro. You get born again, and then what? That's no, all yours, bro. What after born again? Join a church, sign the membership card, attend our services, the programs, bring the children, get them, you know what I'm saying? The same thing over and over. What for what? Become a member here and stay faithful for X amount of years and we'll give you a certificate for being the oldest person in the church. <laughs> Why? What is, what is the point? There is no point. So these last two elements are essential for our anchoring. You know, our anchoring. Like, okay, I'm born again. Now what's my purpose? That end goal is your purpose. Set your anchor over there. Boom. Okay, that's where I'm headed. You know, and whatever it takes for me to get to the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment, that's what I'm going to do to get there. But I can't do it on my own. I know it, so I gave you the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see what I'm saying? That's why I gave you the Holy Spirit, so that you can get there. You know, but these last two elements get neglected. They're not preached as essentials. They're preached as just a doctrine of the church, we believe, but... It has to be a fixed, fixated thing. And, and it's, what's amazing is that all of these points, every single point that we just read in Hebrews 6, you'll take one, repentance. You go to Genesis through Revelation, there's a red thread. You take faith, same thing. You take all of them and there's just like this thread that goes across. Why? Because it's fundamental. Because it's, a, a, it's elementary. And because it is, it's one of the first things ever established. Which means it has to be in the beginning. You know? And and so, judgment of the dead, or judgment in itself is not, uh, it's not unique. It's also from the beginning until the end. Which is the final conclusion of all. So, just for real quick, the format again. We talk about it, or I talk about some of it. And, and just keep in mind that I am not going to cover everything you need to know about this. By no means. I'll, I'll be scratching the surface on this thing. Um, and and I, just want your, I just want your mouth to be like, I need more. That's where you go home and you open your word and you begin to search this thing out. Because there's so much more to it. And, uh, and then after that, comments, questions, and we'll close it out like that. Like I said today, I'm not sure how long, I don't want it to be too long because I do want to talk about like our plans here as a family um, because this is our last day, our last teaching. So um, not our last day here, but our last teaching on Tuesday. So anyway, um, so to take up too much time, I want to just talk about eternal judgment. And uh, I really want to just point out the things the Lord has uh graciously given me to see, right? Because I know that there's other people like Derek Prince. He gave me a book, uh, Joel, that 
it's, it's like, whoa, right? I have to read that thing like four times. I read it, by the way, this, oh. you know, and I'm like, this thing is like, yeah, it's deep. And, I'll, and I have pulled some things out of there that I hadn't seen before. Um, so there's, there's people that are studying this thing, and I haven't fully studied this like, like I've studied baptism, to be honest. Baptism has been one of my favorite subjects for 10 years. So, you know, I could talk about baptism in my sleep, but this one here, not so much. So I'm only going to just share like nuggets that, that I've seen um, and hope that it can stir you guys up to look at more. Okay. So really, uh, eternal judgment broken up in two words, eternal judgment. Um, just quickly, somebody tell me, what do you think eternal means? forever without beginning or end or can there be a beginning but never end and that be still be eternal that's a question something that's not touched by time that's eternal forever so, so forever to me seems like forever more right. but what about before more does it have a beginning sometimes so eternal can have a beginning well if we Yeah. I mean, our souls didn't pre-exist when we were before we were born, so I'd say in this case it doesn't. In this case, it doesn't have like, need a like beginning. We're not Mormons that believe in, you know. Although we, we were there before we were born. Okay, well, that's an arguable, uh, arguable point, I guess, right? Since we were predestined before the foundation of the earth, so. But it just, just okay. There's two. There's a there's no beginning and then there's there's a form where a kid had a beginning, right? Yeah. Um, but when it comes to this related to God, uh, okay, let me just say it this way: eternal judgment. The first thing that I that I've seen people jump to is that the eternal judgment is going to be the actual judgment at the end time being eternal that will last forever, yeah. and that beautiful, it's good. However, when I see eternal judgment, I see something something beyond that a little bit so eternal mean everlasting forevermore uh, but i see it with no beginning no end okay i see judgment How, what do you see judgment as well it's not negative is it yeah. division division decision okay so judgment is the decision though like pronounce judgment on somebody is to pronounce the conclusion to pronounce the the decision on it okay um now we always think negative right we think bad judgment is bad and in a sense it is always bad majority of the time but but see when it comes to the eternal judgment you can get a mixture of good and bad when it comes to the judgment of god now i have here for judgment which is the conclusion the the verdict Right, the verdict of like this is it. I have that here by what I see as a standard. The judge needs to have a standard before he can give a pronouncement, right? Before he can pronounce anything. He needs to have a standard to go by. And that judgment, that that conclusion is going to be based off of that standard. So this conclusion verdict is eternal. Okay? Now we can say that means it's going to last forever more. But it's also eternal that it didn't have a beginning because it comes from God. Which means that even before God created any humanity or any creation, He still had these same 
standards and qualities about himself. You see? So even when he created something, he didn't also create new laws or laws with the creation. That was already who he was. That makes sense? So this eternal judgment goes way past or way before even the last judgment that we're going to look into. It goes way past that. It's the judgment of... It's the standard and it's the conclusion of who God is. Because when God judges everybody, He's not going to judge them based off of some new understandings that He received or new laws that He created. He's going to judge them based off of Himself. He is the standard. He is the final judgment. You know what I'm saying? So that standard is, is eternal. and never began. It never changes. It will never end. It will always be the same. And what is that standard? Righteousness. God is righteous. And if you look at all the scriptures about judgment, you'll see the majority of them have to do with His judgment being righteous. A righteous judgment. A righteous judgment. Based off of no bias. Righteous. And that is key and it's powerful. That it's a righteous judgment. Okay? Eternal judgment is everlasting. Uh, it's always been established. Um, it is the standard is everything that is good and righteous. Even before creation, God's character has been held to this standard. His character was held to the standard of righteousness. In other words, if anybody tried to judge him, right? If they try to judge him, he would never be guilty. There is nothing beyond who he is. You can judge somebody based off of like. That's, I want you to remember that. The only great standard is righteousness. And if anybody tried to judge God based off of that same standard, he would never fail. He would never come close to even failing. And there's a point here, as, as I was looking at this, I'm like, whoa. There's a point here that he, God does something that he doesn't have to do, but he does it anyway. So that if there's somebody in the corner watching behind a bush taking note, that if he wouldn't have done the thing that he does, and they were to see that he didn't do it, they could, they could call him out on, on hey, I just caught you. <laughs> I, but because he does it anyway, there's nothing that anybody can catch him on. And it's, and it's like, I was like, whoa. You know what that is? It's judging the righteous. And when he judges the righteous, how does that even make sense? And and um, and we'll get into what that judging the righteous looks like, to where you're like, whoa, he gets that deep. So the he is because God is the author of this way, the way of righteousness. He becomes the judge of it because he's the author of it. So the ultimate judge, the one who will judge, is God Himself. God is the judge. And um, you're like, well, this is all basic stuff. But it's powerful. <laughs> it's powerful that God is the judge. And if we look at, can somebody get, um, can somebody get Psalms 9-8? And while you guys get that, ju uh, God being the judge, He is on a throne right now, keeping everybody accountable of this righteous way. And he will require all to give an account of their actions based off of righteousness. So, I'm going to just throw this in there. 
when we are judged, we're not going to be judged whether or not we said a prayer. We're not going to be judged whether or not, uh, you know, we went to church and, and said, yes, Jesus, I love you. You know, did you accept my son? Yes. That's the only basis of, of your judgment. No. Because he's a righteous judge, he will require every living soul to give an account of every action they did based off of righteousness before and after you accepted Jesus into your heart. Before and after. Especially after as a believer. Every action that you've done, he will require you to give an account. So, somebody have Psalms 9-8. Oh, nine, nine, eight, like chapter nine, verse eight. Oh. I do. You said Psalms nine, eight. Yeah. And he shall judge the world in righteousness. He shall minister judgment to the people in uprightness. He will judge the world in righteousness. That will be his judgment. Will be in righteousness. It won't be, it's not going to be uh, coming from a side of, of, a, of a certain place from God. As far as like, well, I'm just judging based off of who accepted my son or who didn't. You know, or I'm going to judge based off of, you know, a certain characteristic or something you see what i'm saying like it's or the characteristic is righteousness but it's not bias it's not bias and his judgment will be righteousness and he will execute judgment with equity is that what it says here equity what does that mean sir Okay. Anybody else for equity? What could that mean? Totally fair. Totally fair. Okay. Yeah. Like totally fair. Like absolutely 100%. Not based off of human standards. Based off of God's standards, which goes beyond our even our understanding. Like if God's going to say, I'm going to be super 100% fair with all, you know, then it has to be only in a way that God can even measure up fairness. Because if a human tries to sit here and be fair between two people, how many, how many points and attributes of that definition am I going to lack of fairness? Even with my children, right? You know, the, my children are like, that's not fair. I'm like, that was not fair. What about the time that I did this, this, this with you? You know, like, you didn't say anything about me not doing it with your sister, or your sister didn't get the same thing you got. Remember when we got you this thing? You didn't. You weren't crying. Ah, I get one for my sister, right? But when you didn't get something, all of a sudden it's not fair. Like when it comes to the human mindset of fairness, we have our own understanding. But it, Scripture says, and, and it's like God said, when I state this, I have to be accountable for what I'm about to say. God is saying this, you know. And so when He uh, had David or whoever write this verse down that says, "Execute judgment with equity, with fairness." God now has to uphold to that standard of making sure that it's fair, right? And, and that's where the faith in God comes. Like, God, you said it's going to be fair, so I'm going to put my entire trust that it will be. That's faith in God. 
You know, it goes beyond that that provisional faith. It's like the faith of like he said is going to be fair. So when I get treated wrong in public or treated wrong for being a Christian or get in Trump, get get treated wrong for something else, and I can't do nothing about it, I know and I believe and I put my trust and my hope and my anchor on the fact that one day whatever the situation will be dealt with fairly, even if it happens two thousand years from now. I know that God will not forget this moment and he will deal with this situation fairly. You see what I'm saying? It's not like our boss where you do a good act or something and he potentially could forget three weeks from now. You know, like your boss forgot. I I, I did forget you did that three weeks ago. I'm sorry. You know, like you want your boss to remember it because that gives you brownie points on promotions or whatever it is, you know. And it's like, I hope he remembers it. I'm sending him a little email so he won't forget, you know. Uh, But God won't forget. He won't forget. He will keep every single thing in record. Okay. At this time, when he judges the world, it's going to be a time for the Lord to put away every bit of unrighteousness. Every single ounce of unrighteousness. Keep in mind... You know, I had this thought that when God restores the heaven and the earth, that he's going to somehow just say, step back, guys, watch this, and go, done, bling, new heavens, new earth. Whoa, right? (laughs) We live happy ever after. No, I come to understand by the scriptures that it's going to be a long process of cleaning up. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, this this cleaning up of all unrighteousness is going to be one at one person at a time. You know? I'm going to do with all your unrighteousness. Why? Because we're going to be tested by fire. Each person will be tested by fire. In other words, that that second Peter statement, when the fiery, you know, will wipe away all this stuff, it's that judgment of fire. And it says that each person will be tested by fire. It's not going to be like, all right, group gathering, everybody get together, this fire is going to go... It's all done. Yeah. No. One person at a time. Why? Because it also says that we all have to be accountable and give an account for our every deed. It's going to be an individual coming before the throne, taking that step up higher on the platform and being judged. And then fire comes. Whatever's remaining will be your reward. You see what I'm saying? So it's going to be a long process where he's going to do this thing righteously where nobody can accuse him of doing anything wrong. And the scriptures talk about the saints um, reigning with him and cleaning things up. In other words, all the enemies will be beaten by uh, war. You know, like the, we who reign with him will be be at war with these people and cleaning cleaning house. You see what I'm saying? It's not going to be a magical snap of a finger kind of deal. Ultimately, he will shake heaven and earth, and that doesn't necessarily fully mean a, you know, hold on tight. The whole thing is going to shake, you know. Um, it, it will be a shaking in the sense that he's going to sift out, you know, all the junk. But I believe it's going to be a process. It's going to be that judgment process. Okay. This is a day that has been fixed. This is a day that has been fixed by the Lord to put away his enemies under his feet. To exterminate the evil deeds of men 
and to crush the head of the serpent that was promised in the beginning of the time. The eternal judgment, the, the, the judgment to come is going to be the time that God takes full vengeance out of his enemies. This is the climax of our hope, guys. This should be. And I was trying to think about this in human terms, and the only thing I could think about is what I shared earlier with Sarah. I'm like, hey, Sarah, what is that word when you've been working on your bus for a year and you had no help? And you felt helpless because you're doing all this work on the bus and and all of a sudden somebody says, I can help. And he shows up and he's starting to do things that I couldn't do. Right? What is that what is that feeling? What's that word? She's like, relief, excitement, joy. I'm like, that's what it's gonna be like. When right now we're living this life helpless, like ah and all of a sudden when the helper comes fully to take full control. I'm like, I got to step back. This is my day. I'm about to shine. You know? <sighs> Finally, rest, relief, joy, excitement. That's the day we're waiting for. And if we're not waiting for that day, where is your hope placed at right now? That's the question I have for everybody. Right? Where is your hope placed? Where is your eyes fixed to? Acts 17.31. Who would like to get that one? I got it. Okay. Because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. Beautiful. What is it talking about here? Well, first of all, he's talking to a bunch of pagans. And he's letting them know that there's this man who has a day appointed, a fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. There you go, in righteousness again. Through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men that he is the one because he raised them from the dead. It's the same thing that we were talking about last week about the, the resurrection of the dead. Like, how do we know the resurrection that's going to happen? Because he raised Jesus from the dead. That was a proof. That was a promise. He's like, when Abel was murdered, it says that Jesus, uh, God told Cain, your brother's blood is crying out to me from the ground. You know what he was crying out for? Vengeance. Vengeance. From the beginning of time, Abel was like, God, take vengeance on my brother who killed me. He's like, Abel, I have fixed the day where I would judge the whole world. And so it's like, man, how do, how, what's the proof? What's the proof? What's the proof? What's the proof? Even the Sadducees were like, man, forget the resurrection of the dead. This ain't going to happen. Blah, 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 blah. Sadducees were losing hope and whatever. And then all of a sudden, Jesus rose from the dead. Like That, my friend, has not only become the hope, but because Jesus actually rose from the dead and he's actually alive, that hope that we've had since the death of Abel has now become a living hope. It's not just a hope anymore. It's a living hope. 
powerful, powerful. And so even now with that same resurrection of Christ that is a living hope, we're like, okay, he rose from the dead. Therefore, everything else God said has to happen. Because if he did this miraculous thing by raising his son from the dead, then Acts 17.31 becomes true. That he has fixed a day that he will judge the whole world. Why? He proved it by raising Jesus from the dead. And when these people heard this, they weren't really fixated on the judgment. They were like, you know, the people in Acts 17, they're like, resurrection from the dead, huh? I need to know more about that. You know, because that somehow becomes the proof of it. And if they I'm like, if you can prove me the resurrection from the dead, I'll believe this judgment thing, you know? Like, it's, I need to know this first before I actually believe this judgment. Because that's what they were asking afterwards. So, what does this fixed day mean and why is there a fixed day? We kind of touched on that. Um, my question is, do we believe that God created the entire world and all the people in it just so he could judge them? I feel like judging. Let me create a whole bunch of people running around and then fix the day so I can judge them. No. No. That wasn't his intention. And what I learned from Derek Prince was that God's judgment isn't actually, it's actually a strange thing for him. It's called, one of the versions call it an alien thing of God. And um, where is it at? It is uh, Isaiah 28, 21. Isaiah 28, 21 talks about, I believe it alludes to the coming of Christ, but it also alludes to judgment. And um, uh, see if somebody can get that and read it. In other words, judgment and anger and fury is not God's character, primary character. So when God has to be angry, furious, and judgmental, righteously, it's an alien thing. It's not common. It's not a normal thing for God. Because that's not God's first attributes. Isaiah 28, 21. Okay. For the Lord will rise up as on Mount Perizim, as in the valley of Gibeon. He will be roused to do his deed. Strange is his deed. And to work his work. Alien is his work. I got another one from Lamentations if you want it. Uh, Lamentations 3.31-33 For the Lord will not cast off forever, but though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. For he does not willingly afflict or grieve the children of men. He does not willingly grieve or afflict the children of men. That's not his desire nor will. He is steadfast in his loving kindness. Like He is firm. He is standing firm on his loving kindness. For his mercies endure forever, but because he's righteous and because he's a just God, he has to execute righteous judgment. He has to. He's like, it's almost like, how can I not, you know? I would be unjust if I didn't punish the wicked, you know? And so primarily his love, like he created all things in love. Because of love, because of, because of unity and, and desire to be with. That's why he did it all. But the reason he's fixed the day was because there was this one time where this serpent was proud and came against the things of God. 
And God's anger was kindled against him. And he cast him down. And the same serpent, after God created his humanity, came and deceived. God's anger again kindled. And he made a promise to humanity. And his anger, Genesis 3.15, and his anger, he says, I'm going to put enmity between the serpent and the woman. Between your seed, her seed. And he will crush your head. You know? Or another version says, shatter. That's not just a... How do you shatter glass? How does one... How does somebody shatter something? It's shattering. And his anger of distorting the, the children of God... Has brought this fury of like, you will be punished for what you have wickedly done against my people. But I'm righteous. So I'm going to fix a day where the clock will come down to. Why? Because it's not my desire that anybody perish. But that all will come into repentance. So I'm setting this time where we can all come to this place where repentance hits. But... I am just and I am righteous and I have to punish the wicked so I'm fixing the day. I'm fixing the day and I have to execute judgment because that's just who I am. But until then, I'm laying everything out that you need to come back to me before that great and terrible day. But when Adam heard this, they were actually happy about this. Like, Eve, he just said, that he was going to crush the head of this deceiver that deceived us. What does that mean? It means that when he's crushed, we'll come back into paradise like everything has been from the beginning. Because the deceiver won't be there. Did he just promise a, a crushing of the head? Yeah. Wow. He said he? Yeah. The seed of the woman? Yeah. Who could it be? Who could this man be? Hmm. And from that point on, they were looking for the crushing one. They're looking for the one that would bring relief. Relief. You hear that word relief? It just hit me. Genesis, uh, I think it was 5. Um, yeah. If you, uh, Genesis 5.31. Uh, hold on. Da, 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 da. Nope. 28. 5.28. Somebody want to read it? Joey, you want to read it? Or? I can. To Genesis five twenty eight. Yeah, bro. Somebody got it. I think Evan got it. And Lamech lived one hundred and eighty two years and became the father of a son. Now he called his name Noah, saying, This one shall give us rest from our work and from the toil of our hands arising from the ground, which the Lord has cursed. See, so Lamech, he, he had prophetic insight of this crushing one. God had given him a portion of the promise. And Lamech thought, you know, it has to be my kid. <laughs> it has to be my son. You know, but, but see, here's what I believe. I believe that just like John the Baptizer said, repent for the kingdom of God that is near, is at hand, is near. That's been the same thing from the beginning. 
God has always said it's near. He's always said that it's near. And so Lamech was in a prophetic session with the Lord one day, and the Lord downloaded this, this promised one who was going to come and bring relief from the curse of the toil of the hands that was cursed to Adam when he sinned. And Lamech saw this, and, and, and the Lord told him that his, in, in dual purpose, your son's special. So Lamech's like, hold up. My son's special. He's going to bring relief from all the toil. Obviously, it wasn't Noah, even though he did bring a, a saving promise. You know, Lamech thought it was his son. That being said, they were looking, they were actively looking for somebody, you know. And so all I'm saying is that this, this fixed day has to do with the enemies of God deceiving his people from the beginning. And he gave us a chance to, to come back to him. Uh, Psalm 68, 20, I can read it. God certainly, this is Psalms. And this is what David is saying. God certainly will shatter or crush the heads of his enemies. The hairy heads of one who goes about in his guilt. What about this one? 1 Samuel 2.10 Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. And he will give strength to his king, and he will exalt the horn of his anointed. Power. What was the one you read right before that one? Uh, Psalm sixty-eight twenty. Yeah. Okay. Real quick, real quick, real quick. I'm gonna rush through these. The judgments. Um, I, you know, without reading Derek's stuff, you know, the way he's pointed out, I had seen. Uh, just I had seen just two judgments: the judgment of the righteous, the judgment of the wicked. Um, you know, Derek Prince. If you guys want to look him look him up and read some or watch his videos or read his book, he points out there's three main judgments: um, one for the the saints, then one for the Gentiles, and then one for the um, the Gentiles, and then the the, the dead. Then he raised all the dead and judged them. Okay, so, you know, when, when the Lord comes and, and the saints rise from the dead, we who are still remaining will be caught up. There will be this first judgment of the believers first. Why? Scripture says that judgment will begin at the house of God. So it starts with judgment here. And, and I can picture why. I would say, okay, if, if we are taken up and we're going to reign with him for a thousand years, It'd be nice to get all our junk out of the way so we can be pure and to reign with Him. Right? So He calls us up. He starts to... to because if we're going to reign for a thousand years, we're all going to have ranks. We're going to have our, our divisions. We're going to have our different levels of commands and what we're going to do, right? But how do I know what these things are without first judging your works? So, th so now we're getting into the judgments at the end time where the actual day of the Lord will come and he will establish his kingdom, and we're going to reign with him. The first judgment would be his people. And uh, if we look at Romans 14.10, these are uh, proof texts that the saints will be judged. For many people say, wait, hold on, I'm a believer. I can't be judged, right? Um, the truth is that you, you will be judged. You won't be condemned. You will not be condemned, but you will be judged. Now, what is the difference? Well, it depends on the judgment seat. 
Okay? The judgment seat determines what kind of judgment it will be. So Romans 14.10. Just a quick proof text that, you know, that says that uh, Paul speaking, saying we. It says, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. You know, and then a reference that I have here is 1 Corinthians 5.10. Um, and verse 12, right after that. Read it. It says, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Bingo. Yep, I had that a little lower down, but yeah. Each one of us will give an account. See, like we all have to give an account. Saints alike. Why? Because, I mean, how many times have we, even after being born again, have had some some deeds that we're not really proud of? You're going to have to give an account of that. Um, so 2 Corinthians uh, 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each, here you go, listen to this, listen to the description of the judgment seat, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Now, I was looking up this, this judgment seat of Christ, um, and because, you know, I was thinking, like, you only see the verdict of guilty, you know. And uh, I was thinking about how we will be rewarded. Jesus said your, your reward will be great in heaven. What does this mean? Well, this judgment seat, the way that Paul uses it, it's referring to a, um, a different kind of judgment seat that I was looking up. And it's, um, uh, it ha I had it here, tribunal, it's a tribunal. You guys heard of a tribunal? Tribunal is different than a regular court case. A tribunal is, um, it's, it's where they actually uh, judge for bad and recompense and reward good. Okay. Um, I looked it up here and it was basically, if you've done something wrong and you get caught, not all tribunals are there to determine guilt. Okay. Um, and another aspect of this was, um, more of a sports kind of judge where the sports judges their, their deeds and their acts according to the sport, and they will reward their deeds, right? I've heard a lot of people call it the, the bima seat. I think that's the actual Greek word for it is bima. And that bima it traces back to um, the, the judgment seat where after the Olympics, they'll actually bring the, the person up and give them a reward for their, for their action, for their deed, okay? So if they win... They get this reward. And so that judgment is not just bad. It's not just guilty. It's you're non-guilty, but here's the reward for the good. You see what I'm saying? So this judgment of the saints is different than what the wicked would have. So when Jesus brings forth his saints to judge them, they'll be judged based off of their, their good as well as bad. And bad, we know, will just, it will be exposed, wiped away. Nothing will come of it. But the good will be rewarded. Hear me out. This is key. 
it's not a, a balance. It's not like a, it's not the more good I do, the the less my bad looks. No, no. It's they're both. I would say they're both like their own scale. Okay, your your bad will be exposed and your good will be rewarded. And you know what I was thinking too? If God is a God of justice, and He won't let any small thing go to waste, even a person who was super active and then somehow just like declined in his activeness towards the latter years, he will get rewarded for his former, like, you know what I'm saying? And um, it's not like us that we just kind of see the most current deed and your children is like, yeah, but what about when I did this? Yeah, but you didn't do it this time, you know? But but I but I did that three weeks ago. Yeah, but you didn't do it now. You know, right? God is not like that. He's, they're gonna be like, but I remember I did it three weeks ago. You're right. Here's your reward for three weeks ago. That's God. That's not us. That's God though. And so everything will be rewarded. Why is this thing going on? It's like the, the parable of the talents. The one guy gets more than another guy. Yes, so... Yeah, that really hit home. I never heard it like that. You know, I, I always picture it like, okay, I did good, so that yeah. makes the bad go down yeah. a little bit. And you just explained it, you know. Yeah, like, amen. You know. Yeah. So let me just continue on. Um, Mom was done, promise. Um, and, and if you see it like that, and it says here, Jesus said that, well, he said a lot of things. Um... I'm going to look at Matthew 6, 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before men. Dude, he didn't say you're doing anything wrong. You can be righteous with righteous deeds. Beware of doing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your Father who is in heaven. That will be called out. For the Pharisees were doing these things to be seen. And what do you say? That is their reward. That's actually Matthew 6, 5. It says, When you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. They love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corner so that they may be seen by men. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. So when I do good things, like genuine Good things to people that there's nothing wrong with it, but I did it to be seen. Like I didn't do this good act on Saturday morning because that's when there's more people out there, right? I didn't do it then, not Tuesday when nobody shows up to the mall. I didn't do it on Saturday when a lot of people can see me, and I go and people are like, bro, oh that's amazing, I, dude. I'm like yeah, you know, I, I'm I'm just a servant of Christ, you know, I'm just no big deal. I do it all the time. Like, that's amazing, right? That is their reward. You received your honor at that moment. Those who looked at you and said, Dude, amazing work. And you did it for that purpose. You have just received your reward. So when you get before the Lord and you say, Hey, remember those times at the mall when I did this and that? Yeah, you already got rewarded. Where's it at? No, they rewarded you. Remember? Watch. Play. That's amazing. Boom. Boom. You see that? That was your reward. Next. <laughs> say, Whoa. And this is really going to happen. Screen or not, I don't know about the chick tracks, you know, where the big screen, but but it's going to happen. Like, you won't know. I say, man, like, 
So that will go away. And these are the First Corinthians three uh, fire test, yeah. where where it's like you will be saved. You're not going to perish in hell or anything like that. But it's it, it, it whatever you do righteously now, that's what you carry with you. Okay, and you know something. I was a couple of people that I've heard. Um, I didn't see like this before, but they were talking about the value of the different um, elements during judgment: gold, precious stones, silver, wood, hay. Stubble that they're all good deeds, none of them are wrong. But the question is, how valuable is it that you did? And it was pointed out that you can get wood, hay, and stubble in greater quantities because I mean, you can just get wood, hay, stubble anywhere, but gold you have to like really work really hard to, to get a pound of gold, right. And it says that um, the the ones with the wood, hay, and stubble, they're, it's not that they didn't do any work. The matter of fact, did more work than anybody else. It was like that quick fix work. You know, that I did a whole bunch of stuff in my lifetime, you know, of quantity. But the quality of it didn't last. Yeah, you did great things, you know, but they didn't, they didn't last like gold would. And I would just say, like, for me, I'm thinking about this practically is like, do I, do I want just the life that we're living? Do I want to, to be able to say that I have 600 house churches in a year? Like, is that my goal? 600 house churches in a year? Or do I want one house group that I have poured into and they're the strongest group that, man, they're on fire, you know, and they're... That that's my, I know it's spent like seven months on this group, but man, we're like strong disciples, you know what I'm saying? It's that concept, maybe you don't like that analogy, but it's that concept where instead of like quickly just doing a whole bunch of things that are good, like hone in on that one thing and do it right. That invested on that one disciple that I can actually pour in my, my time and my life for that one disciple. Because that one disciple could go and create another one. It could create another one. And I could end up with 600. But I that wasn't me. Me was with him, you know? You see what I'm saying? That that difference of like, and then if I show up in front of him, the Lord, and it's, and it's like, man, I only got one guy that I spent all my time on or whatever, you know, so it's a small number. And uh, he said, yeah, but that guy did gold. Let's say, but look what that guy did. Yeah, look what that guy did because he's gold. He is gold. You know, just that concept, like, he is a gold man, though, you know? I was like, okay, all right. Yeah, you know, of course I want to preach and get in front of 100 people, 200, 300 people, and plant the seeds like crazy. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm going to do that. But I want to invest in something that, that would really have a greater impact that will last forever. Does that make sense? It's just conceptually that kind of concept, that heartbeat, that heart posture. Um. Yeah, so though though it will be tested by fire. Whatever you have remaining, that, that will be your thing. And also, like Jesus said it with his mouth. If you desire to be great in the kingdom, whoa, hold on, hold on, Jesus, wait a second. There's going to be great people in the kingdom and, and less people in the kingdom. Oh yeah. If you desire to be great in the kingdom, basically. Super die to yourself. But if you don't, then get all the praise you want. 
Like, do the exact same things that the two people do the exact same things. Exact same thing at the same time. Actually, they do it together. One of them did it to be seen. The other one did it because he loves Jesus and he loves people. Right? This one's going to be greater than this one. He's telling the parables. Why? Because he received his reward now. And he waited to the end to get his reward from the Father. If you desire to be great, be the least. If you desire not, well, he didn't say this, but obviously if you desire to be the least, then in the kingdom, then be the greatest now. You know? <laughs> Run to the front, you know, where everybody can see you. Go stand behind the podium. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Run behind the podium, you know? And uh, so these are legit things, though. They're legitimately real things that will happen. Like you will have that greater position in the kingdom. And, and, and we, we can know these things now. And I've, I've heard a lot of people tell me like, oh, I don't do it for the reward. I'm like, well, you're going to mess out if you're not doing it for the reward. I know that sounds crazy. But Jesus told me specifically, I don't know about you, but he told me, he says, do not store treasures on earth. But literally, he's telling you to store treasures in heaven. Amen. Yeah, but I mean, God, I mean, come on. Like, you know it's not about that, Jesus. But I'm telling you to do it. Like, I'm intentionally making sure that this is written in Scripture to say, store treasures in heaven. Invest in your reward in heaven. Invest in it. Paul's like, you are my crown, my jewel. Like, why would Paul say that? Because that's what he was wanting to do, was to run the race so that he could win and receive the prize. Is not what he said? Mm-hmm. What? Won't we lay those um, treasures down to him, like the crowns and things we'll lay back down and give back to Jesus? There might be some that we do, but that's, that's not... You're going to have treasures. Oh, yeah. You know, you will have reward. And so, like, we... We have to not think of it as a selfish thing. Like, you don't know how bad God has been waiting to just pour out. Like, matter of fact, he says it. He says in the Revelation, he's like, I am coming. And what do you say? I am coming with what? He, he's, he called it out for a reason. He's looking forward to giving your reward. And it's not so, well, I cannot wait to give them rewards so that they can just give them back to me. Like, there's going to be a lot of things that we'll hand over. But imagine all the things that that are actually ours to keep. This is yours. Keep it. Take it. He says, I am coming quickly and my reward is with me to render every man according to what he's done. I mean, imagine how long he's been waiting for this. And now it's in red letters that I'm coming. And what he decides to call out after he says, I'm coming quickly, he decided to call out the reward system that he's coming with. Now I'm coming quickly to spend the eternity with you. I mean, obviously he likes that, but what I'm saying is that I cannot wait to bless my people. You know, so he calls that out with his return. I am coming and my rewards are with me. You know, I just, I don't want to use it, but think about Santa Claus. (laughs) (laughs) In his factory, like all year, they're all like preparing all all the little presents, right? And like, I'm waiting for that one day. Like I'm waiting for that day. That, you know that can fill my sack up and go throughout the whole earth and give out this thing like that's the day he, and like after Santa Claus does it he's done right like nobody thinks about him for the next year but he's looking but he 
I know. Huh? And um, he, but he was waiting for that day. Like he's waiting for that one day. And so is Christ. Christ is waiting for that day to reward. And he loves it so much because he is, God is, if, if God was created, he was created with righteous pieces. And when they finish creating him, whoever, I'm just saying, as an, like, think about this, like God is made up of righteousness. That is his, that is who he is. If, if you, if you would see God as created, he was created with righteous pieces. Like, there's no unrighteousness in him. He is the definition of righteous. But he's not, he's not created. He is righteous. And if he's righteous, how much do you think his desire is to reward every ounce of righteousness in you? Mm, that's a good line. Evan, in me. Like, this is my being. And I love righteousness so much. You know, um, I heard somebody say that even the smallest glass cup of water that you give somebody, he's like, that was a righteous deed. He's going to pour you, pour righteous uh, gifts upon you because you did something that's righteous. And if you see it like that, when you walk out this door, the only thing you're going to want to do is righteous deeds. Because that's what pleases the Father. Is your righteous acts. You see what I'm saying? And if our judgment as believers will be according to our deeds, what... Okay, I'm going to end it with this. Second Peter. Second Peter, and I'll be done. So that we can all just simmer in this. Second Peter what? Second Peter... Um, uh, where am I, where am I, where am I, three, uh, let's start with 10, even though you can go before that, but let's start with 10, uh, second Peter three, 10, all the way to 13, nope, 14. Yep, 10 through 14. We got it. Joey. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with the roar and the elements of the destroyed. And the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be discovered. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? looking for and hastening the coming of the day of, the God, of God, because of which the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the elements will melt with intense heat. But according to his promise, we are looking for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. That is a powerful few verses right there. And I wanted to say that That um, when it says that the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. Uh, like what you said, you says what? Will be, will be discovered. They will be discovered. Listen, if God is going to have a righteous heaven and earth, which it literally says that at the end, right? It says that we're looking for a new heaven, new earth, which righteousness dwells there that every ounce of unrighteousness has to be exposed. It's not as easy 
here's what I was going to say earlier. It's not as easy as him snapping his fingers and, and he knowing all unrighteousness is gone, guys. It's, unrighteousness is gone. Okay, thank you. No, every single ounce of unrighteousness will be exposed. Every ounce will be exposed and then like the shaft will be blown away in the wind. Everything. Why? So that no one can accuse God of being impartial and having favoritism. Think about it. Think about it. Just think about it in a human sense. These are my saints. There's wicked people who know some of my saints and did things together. And being born again, went out one Saturday and did something where they cheated the registered lady, you know. And let's say that it was an accident. And they walked away and said, hey, then you got five extra dollars. Oh, yeah, you're right. And the saint, the righteous person like, that's cool. You want a cup of coffee? And instead of going back and actually doing the right thing, they just drove off, right? And ah, they laugh about it. Ah, that's an unrighteous deed. But they don't do anything about it. And then in time of judgment, in human terms, you have this saint who has this one unrighteous deed after being born again, and the wicked who never got born again is there. It's like, oh, well done, good and faithful servant. Welcome, right? And the wicked's like, hold up. You know, it's going to call him out. Like, she did unrighteous things, though. Born again or not, like, you're not going to expose that. See? You can, there, God will not be accused of anything. And not only that, you know, many people say, man, you always pick on me, you know. I'm always the one being picked on. Guess what he's going to do? He's going to deal with the house of God first. Like, you don't, can't even say, you can't say anything because I dealt with my children first. For you to think I was impartial to deal with the wicked first. I dealt with my children first and I exposed everything they did. So when the wicked person is watching, that won't happen because they'll be dead in the ground. They haven't been raised yet. But if they're watching the humans turn terms and, and that one person is being judged, this other wicked person is like, and then, oh, he called it out. Oh, he called it out. Oh, he called that out. I bet you he won't call this one out because it was, it was minor. Oh, he called it out. Okay. Check this one out. To make God even more fair with equity, He's going to go as deep as your thoughts and intentions of the heart. The things that you never said for anybody to be able to accuse God of. You know, nobody would even ever know. God could be like, hey, they just wiped that under under the rug. Nobody needs to know. He's going to call it out. He's going to call it out anyway. For His name's sake. Because I'm righteous. Remember that thing you thought about so-and-so? Oh, he called it out. Ah, oh, right? Oh, you thought I was going to let it go and done? Oh, no, man, come on. That is like the most righteous you can get. And, and those things are blowing me away. I'm like, God, that is, that is wow. That nobody could ever, even though there's nobody beside you to even judge you. There's not like a greater God to judge the lower God of like, you know, the greater God is watching me. He's going to judge me one day for how I judge my people and I better make sure I do it. There's nobody else to judge him. He's still going to make sure that he does it impar- uh, partially. Impartially. Okay, never mind. I said that wrong then. Nobody's going to accuse God of being partial. 
I said impartial. Nobody's going to accuse him of being partial, of being divisive, of being a, a, a separator. Favoritism. You see what I'm saying? Guys, if you live your life knowing these things, Peter said, what kind of people ought we to be? What kind of people should you be? And, and lately, like for the past, I don't know, months, half a year, I've been, that's really been in my mind waking up that judgment time and that I'm going to make sure I live a righteous life. I don't care if I'm by myself in my closet. What are you thinking ever? Because it will be called out. What are your intentions ever? Because they will get called out. Whew, I don't want that. So this should help us as a fundamental new believer. Even us, people have been walking with the Lord for 14, 20 plus or something. We're, we're looking at this like, whoa, this is like, you know, fresh manna, right? This is like a new, almost like a new beginning. Exactly. Preachers and everything. Can you repeat that? Can you imagine how holy the church would walk if people knew what we're learning here tonight? True. So yeah, let's just open it up, guys, for comments and questions. You guys on Zoom, if you have any comments or questions, feel free. So if you sin in your life, and you ask God to forgive your sins, they'll be remembered no more? Yes. Until the day of judgment. Well, so at that point, they will be exposed, but that's, I don't think those are the exact same, because that's when Jesus, the advocate, comes in, right? The sins that we expose here. It's kind of like the, the, the honoring yourself by doing it in front of people. Like He's like, you got your honor. Next. Right, it's gonna be the same thing. Yeah, you ask for forgiveness, you turn from that, and and the mediator has has washed away with his blood. But the things that you didn't take care of, the things you didn't take care of, the you you didn't visit me in the jail. What do you mean I didn't visit you in the jail? Right, the things you didn't take care of, the things maybe that, you know, you see what I'm saying? We'll call be called up. That's how I see it. Unless somebody has something different, but that's how I see it. like these things will, because otherwise, the blood of Christ takes all the rest the uh repented and confessed sins because there's those there's no real condemnation you so okay here let me say this too the judgment seat of christ for the believers will be no condemnation it's a purely a reward system amen okay no condemnation we're not going to feel guilty or sad doesn't matter how least you are in the kingdom, you will feel excited and glorified. Okay? You will not feel like, oh, man, well, look at him. He got crazy. No. There will be no more. T- like all- That's what it- literally the judgments of Christ is to remove all unrighteousness. He is exposing every ounce of unrighteousness there is in the entire universe. And so when he exposes it all and washes it away, there will be no unrighteousness. There will be no jealousy. There will be no envy. There will be none of that. Those are unrighteous things that he's going to expose and burn away. So the least in the kingdom will be glorified, and they will be rejoicing over their glorification, no matter how least they are. See what I'm saying? Their robe won't be shining like other people's, and they're going to see the ranks. Like, bro, man, 
what did you do in your lifetime? You know what I mean? Like, man, you you must have been a martyr. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like that, there will be ranks, but it's going to be like, a, whoa, man, I want to hear your story, bro. You know, like, tell me your story, what happened? It's going to be like that, Matt. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Around the water cooler in heaven. <laughs> <laughs> You see what I'm saying? It's going to be like a lovely thing, an honoring thing for, for people in their ranks. I'm glad I was able to bring that up so that we have no confusion. There will be no condemnation in our judgment, pure reward. But those things that weren't taken care of, they will be called out. They absolutely will be called out. And, and we have to know this, and we have to train our children well in these things. Like if we are chastising our children righteously because we love them and they're they're like, you know, they're they're barely understanding these chastisement of love, he's like, Hey bro, like I don't know what you're thinking right now, you know? And I hope it's not bad. We do this because we love you, but whatever you're thinking will be exposed on that day. You don't want that to happen. Like just watch your watch the intentions, watch your mind. You know what I mean? Because you might not think that I can't see or hear but he is, and he's going to call it out one day. You, you know what I'm saying? And so I kind of mentioned that every once in a while. Like I, it got to the point where I just say the intentions, bro. The intentions, you know, like, like I'll say the intentions, like, like you know, just uh, we got to train them in the way that they should go. There's no point in waiting until they're 25 to be like, hey, did you know that you're going to be judged one day? You know, tell them now. Tell your children now. If judgment is a fundamental thing, why are these being taught to the children when they come out the womb? You know, straight up. You know, just like as soon as they come out, like these are the things we live for. A resurrection of the body. I was just born two days ago. What are you talking about? You know, I got a fresh body. Yeah, you can have a better one. So train the children as, as soon as they come out the womb. Like, live for the Lord. Fix your eyes on Him. You know, if I would have known these things, I think we would have lived a different life, but, you know, my, my only thing I can do is let people know. Train your children the way they should go, guys. Train them. If I could go back and... I don't think they taught this in the most radical Pentecostal church 50 years ago. Man. I mean, I really don't. Yeah. I was reading the Bible verse the other day. Um, won't all of our deeds be called out in front of the assembly of God? Isn't that somewhere in the Bible? Like, even in heaven, they're going to know that, you know... The books are open. Even, yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. So in front of everybody. Yeah. Well, the saints, you know... That's pretty much everybody in heaven. Yeah, so the saints, because the dead, the, you know, the dead not in Christ haven't been raised yet. And the people that will be part of the millennium are not part of that. So that judgment seat of Christ... So we've always been told that I me mean, at least i have that the entire universe will be there and that's just not how the scripture is laying it out okay they're not laying it out like that like he's gonna take care of his house first and then the gentiles and then at the end of it all he's gonna raise after the thousand years if i'm not mistaken my timeline after all that he's gonna raise the the rest of the dead and then wake a fire so like it's not happening all at once like i've been told or not been told, but been somehow was told that because that's what I believed. You know, 
So, you see what I'm saying? But yeah, there will be a lot of people there when we get judged. Or whatever group gets judged, there will be. So it's not just, you know, me and God alone, right? No. You're right. It's not that. Yeah, that's, uh, that's intense. Yeah. I do believe there will be a, 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 a instance of, this is me, an instance of grief. Where I'm like, but as saints, because it's a reward, like you'll feel that. But you'll be like lift up. Maybe that's when it's gonna wash away all the exactly. tears. Exactly. It's gonna be a lot of tears. One at a time. That's what I'm trying to say. It's not gonna be like tears be gone. It's gonna be one at a time, very hands on. Like I'm, I'm gonna expose everything. There's gonna be tears, right? And you might be the least. You know, you might be the least in the kingdom. But he's going to stand up and you'll be glorified in that moment and tears be wiped away. All unrighteousness will be gone. And you will leave different, glorified, happy, and love, righteous. Those things will be forgotten forevermore. Next, same thing. Until there's a whole group of saints that are in love and righteousness. Because that's what he's, at the end of, end of the day, his kingdom is full of righteousness. But I do believe it's going to be one at a time. I, I'm just, you know. Each one of us, it doesn't say all of us together. It says each one has to Each give one account. has to give an account. How do you do that? Everybody's speaking at once? No. There's only one. Like people, are like people around, like, you know, just watching. You yeah. basically get judged. Yeah, they're, the way that I, that I saw this Bema seat, kind of seeing what this is, because it's Paul, you know, it, w it was like this step higher platform where it's like there's a seat, but the person being judged has to step to a higher platform. So that person will be called out, will step up while others are not sure what everybody's doing. When you think about the, the parable of the talents, the guy that, gets the, that has the five more talents, the guy that has the two more talents, the guy that has the, doesn't get anything, they all hear each other's judgment. They're all there in prison. Not only that, he says, take his talent and give it to the one who has ten. And so he knows where it comes from. Yeah. Like, take his and give it to the ten. So we didn't touch on the judgment of the hypocrite. Um, see, the judgment of First Corinthians 3, the saints, each one of them, even those woods, uh, straw and hay, wood, hay, and stubble, they're works. They were physically working. But this guy who did nothing with the with the talent, he is he is a James guy who had faith, he accepted, he did his thing, was born again, whatever. But he literally did absolutely hundred percent nothing with what he was given. Okay? So that's different than the guys from First Corinthians three that they did. They did something. Those those least, they did actively work their faith with works. This guy in this parable did absolutely nothing. And he was treated just like a sinner, unbeliever, cast into outer darkness with it being gnashing of teeth. So you can be born again. Being born again doesn't mean you automatically come into the kingdom. Okay? It doesn't mean that. Being born again is the only way to come into the kingdom. But when you're born again, doesn't mean you're automatically in the kingdom. Because he who endures into the end will be saved. You have to actually get to the end. So that's just, you know, I wanted to say that I don't, Many people think, oh, I'm born again, I'm good. No, you're not good. <laughs> you're good to get in, but you're not getting in just because you're born again. And, that, and that's what went wrong in the church today, is that 
churches I well the ones I've been in over the last I don't know 20 years off and on I always felt like something was missing I just didn't know what it was life like I, that's what I felt my whole life was like there's no life here bunch of good word floating around I got well, while you were talking everything I'm like taking notes and I'm like what's like a theology of judgment and like I got three words that I'm curious what you, mm. what you think so the first one is what you've been saying towards the end discovery in a court case there's a phase where there's the discovery of evidence in God's judgment there's total discovery of evidence so that there are no secrets left even of the motivations of the heart John 3 talks about the darkness and the light and the darkness tries to hide but eventually everything comes into the light so that's discovery second word is character judgment is an expression of God's character and his character standard is applied equally to all whether they're righteous or unrighteous mm. last word is division judgment is division of righteous from unrighteous, but also of divine victor over his enemies. Hmm. Love it. Love it. Type it up and send it over, bro. Okay. <laughs> I got it typed up. Anybody on Zoom? Oh, sorry, brother. I didn't see your hand waving there. Go ahead. Jonathan is sleeping. Um, um, I had a question about um, two, you know, 1 Corinthians 2, 12 to 16, when it says about we have the mind of Christ and the spiritual man discerns all things. I know it's um, wondered if there's a connection with eternal judgment. Okay, is there a connection between the judgment and the mind of Christ? Um, actual judgment in the mind of Christ uh, not that I've seen any direct connection will it have a place will it will it play a part in judgment I will say yes um, because at the end of the day we are being molded into the image of Christ and in his righteousness so like let's say like this the amount of my the amount of mind uh, Christ's mind he had in you you know what I mean, will be basically your reward. You know, it's beautiful you brought that phrase up because that verse is to be humble. You know, it says, have this mind that was in Christ, that he gave his life, he humbled himself, he became a servant, he became the lowly. And so these things are the ultimate righteousness. So in judgment, yeah, these are what will be, will be noticed, um, if that helps. But I, I personally, maybe it's out there, I haven't seen the connection per se, of judgment and the mind of Christ. Does anybody have a direct connection between those two? I know it will play a part in it. And so it, at tribunals, people bring a full account so an informed decision can be made to give what is appropriate in that case. Uh, the hard work is bringing a detailed account with no gaps. Wow. Beautiful. Did you hear that? Tribunal. The tribunal is bringing a full account so that an informed decision can be made and given 
what is appropriate in that case. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, yeah. But a regular court, it's not like to get what is appropriate. It's just you're guilty or not. And if you're guilty, there's a sentence for guilty. If you're not, you just get out of here, right? And it won't be like that with Christ. It won't be like, how guilty are you? You know, and talk about all the guilt. And it's like the unguilty stuff is just like, just go. Like with no nothing to back that up, you know, just, just go. Like, okay. No, the tribunal is like to give what's appropriate for that. Christ is going to give what's appropriate for that. So you're going to walk away with something. You know, you won't just walk away not guilty, empty-handed. It's not a regular court case in that sense, you know. I think that's what separates the the judgment of saints and wicked. Um, this let me see. Check this out. Second John one eight says, "Watch yourselves, so that." Oh, listen to this. Second John one eight. Watch yourselves that you do not lose what we have accomplished, but that you may receive a full reward. Check it out. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, but each Amen. but each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Hmm. Think about this. Joel, he goes out preaching the gospel. Does all the hard work. Preaches sin. Preaches, you know, the cross. And somebody's like 85% there, completely repented, almost, you know, ready to go. And they're like, yeah, you know what? I'm just not ready. Joel walks away, and he's just like, man, he didn't go all the way, right? Walks away, do do do. Patrick comes behind, doesn't even know. He's like, hey, man, talk to you about the Lord. And just fall on their face, and they're crying. Oh, I'm gonna you, Lord. Like, okay, well, like that. He didn't even have to say two words about anything. All of a sudden, he's catching all these things out. He falls to the floor. He falling back to the house, getting baptized fully, immersed and stuff like that. And and then later, you get you guys come on on next Friday or something. And Joe's like, yeah, I met this person named, you know, George, you know, John, whatever, two two first names. You're like, wait, hold up, what? You're like, wait, what? I just baptized that dude. You know, I just baptized the dude. Like, and so now you're like, man, that wasn't even my work. It was Joe did all the work, man, man. And Patch and and Joe's like, what? Man, you baptized him? I didn't even get to do that, man. Golly, man. And then so. You're both like separating, like, yeah, you finished it. It's yours. No, it's yours. You did all the hard work. No, it's yours. You each will get your reward based off of the seed and the watering. You know? So, like, it's high five, dude. You finished the job. Yeah. You know? Just high five it and, and walk, run together with it. And that, that reminds me, John 4 36. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So that there's a sharing of rewards in multiplication because one's doing this job and somebody else comes along and they're like, hey, you guys work together. You work together as a body. Hear that? You get to share in this one. <clears throat> That's beautiful. I was studying about the, um, the gifts in the body and, and I was talking about the hands and the, I mean the head and the feet. And I just kind of uh, 
imagined it was like a body, a physical body, except it's the body of Christ, and each one has a job, mm. and it won't function just correctly if everybody's all doing the same thing. Right. Each, the hands are doing the work of the feet. And, I mean, it's just like yeah. it makes the body. To me. Yeah. So my battery's low on the Mac. I have to close it pretty soon. Is there any more uh, Zoom comments, questions? Oh, that was good stuff, man. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Okay. Um, let's close out in prayer real quick. I'm going to close the Zoom out uh, before my battery dies, and, and then we'll just continue on. Okay. Father, we, we come to you, Lord, we're just thanking you and having full gratitude because of your faithfulness in giving us, God, these things in your word so that we can prepare ourselves. Lord, having a prepared mind and a heart, Father, will help us uh, get to the end, Lord, in righteousness. Lord, not doubting, not being double-minded, but being focused and being uh, ready, God, to do good deeds daily. But I want to thank you because you have fixed the day, God, that you would judge the whole world in righteousness. God, we're, we're uh, eagerly waiting for the moment, Lord, where all things will be made right. God, that the enemies will be, uh, I want to say crushed, but they will be crushed. And they'll be placed under your feet. And God, you will have all reign. And all the injustice that have been done in this world to your people and to, to, the, to the innocent, to the weak, God, will be made right. Every little thing, God, will be exposed. Nothing will go unnoticed. So help us, God, knowing these things, to live a righteous life daily. Not only physically, not only the external Lord deeds, but let our hearts, God, be righteous. Let our intentions be righteous, our thoughts. Lord, because you will judge with flame in your eyes and a sword coming out of your mouth, God, and will pierce the depths of our heart. And Lord, we just thank you because you will not leave anything unpunished. And like David cried out and said, thank you, Lord, because you will make the enemies pay. And you will give us, Lord, our reward. And we thank you, Lord, because you are good, you are faithful, you are righteous. And Lord, let this sink into our hearts and be watered by your spirit and, and through fellowship to remember these things daily. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 What a beautiful way to end a foundation before building upon this rock. A beautiful way to start eternity with King Jesus. Wow. Well, listen, guys, like I said, this may be the end of this current location. But this isn't the end. And we'll get back to it with more foundational teachings. Until then, let's run this race together. Fix your eyes on Jesus and dear until the end. God bless you. Talk to you soon.